0: With uh, God, my exceeding joy. God, my exceeding joy. We've read the passage, which, as you might recall from last week, if you were here, uh, is considered by uh, many to be really one song. So, in effect, there probably is only 149 songs and not 150 in, in total. Uh, but nevertheless, they were divided and. Uh, So, I'm treating it as one this morning. Now, like David, uh, the one who wrote this, most of us are not given over to mood swings. I hope you're not. I mean, if you are, that's, you know, the will of God. That's your DNA, (laughs) perhaps, um, in the main. But regardless, the trials of this life, and particularly the fiery trials, always have an impact upon our emotional state that causes us to act, In a moody way. In this case, it's a spiritual oppression that our brother encountered and speaks to. Uh, In verses 3, 9 and 10. My tears have been my meat, or food, day and night. While they continually say unto me, where is thy God? So apparently there are those that are saying to David, where is your God? Nine, why go I mourning because of the oppression of the enemy? That could be Satan, but more than likely it's more than Satan. It's also, again, whoever these unbelievers are. Be they covenant breakers of covenant Israel or heathen that surround the nation from their location. Uh, Ten, as with a sword in my bones, mine enemies reproach me, while they say daily unto me, "Where is thy God?" We learned of one example last week of uh, Rabshakeh, who was the captain of the armies of Assyria. And by the way, it was not Nebuchadnezzar; it was Sennacherib, who whose nation was the most ferocious and the most deadly of them all in the life of God's covenant nation. Like anyone under pressure, David naturally wants relief. And often we look to other human beings for that, to commensurate with, to lean on their shoulder and to cry, if you will. And finding none to provide counsel, what does he do? He self counsels, like in verse 5. Why art thou cast down, O my soul? And why art thou disquieted within me? Hope thou in God, for I shall yet praise him, who is the help of my countenance. We talked about three stages of uh, the way that David dealt with the Moody Blues, with his Blue wounds. Three ways in which he sought to counter this, having nowhere else to turn. And the first one was David consoled himself in remembering the good old days of worship in the house of God, in verse 4 of Psalm 42. When I remember these things, I poured out my soul in me, for I had gone with a multitude. I went with them to the house of God, with a voice of joy and praise, with a multitude that kept holy day. He longed for that. Notice, however, how worship of God and the fellowship of the saints, which all was taking place, was a past-recurring experience. And not a present one. He says, for I, I had gone with the multitude. I went with them to the house of God. Consider how this pandemic season has drastically changed uh, our church life, the church life of God's people. Notice also how recalling of the past brought only tears and heartache. When I remember these things, i pour out my soul. It's in the present tense. It's ongoing. It's, it's unceasing. And then next, we consider how David consoled himself in seeing God in his creation. And that's a wonderful thing. One family, as we've uh, noted, uh, enjoyed that up north. And perhaps that's something we need to do more of and even do as a congregation, like in times past, in Psalm 42, 6. O oh my God, my soul is cast down within me. Therefore will I remember thee from the land of Jordan and of the Ermanites and from the hill Mizar. Deep calleth unto thee at the noise of thy waterspouts. Those are like tornadoes or twisters or in the water those water spouts that oftentimes or sometimes result in typhoons, like in the Philippines. Where I'm from. The creation is a wonderful outlet. Wouldn't you agree? And it's just wonderful, for example, to be in beautiful San Diego again. <laughs> for me. As much as I love the desert. The heavens declare the glory of God, and the firmament showeth forth His handiwork. But you always have to have your eyes peeled. That's why it's called wilderness. Wilderness. Verse 7b, all thy waves and thy billows are gone over me, he reports. Yeah, we don't know all of what that is. It may actually have happened where he was caught in some storm like Jonah was when he was on the run from his appointed mission field uh, to yonder parts. Uh, or maybe it's something that uh, is uh, a parable or a metaphor of what he is going through internally. But if, if it was uh, something uh, out there in, in God's creation in nature, as it were, uh, which I believe it is, uh, it's understandable how you can run of these things and that could really spoil everything. Like I remember my niece and her family getting into a, a terrific accident on the road going north on their vacation. Man has always held this fascination for the deep blue sea, what's also called Davy Jones' Locker. Let me share with you uh, an incident in the life of the disciples of Christ in Matthew 14, 22 through 33. Matthew 14, turn to it. In at 22 through 33. And straightway Jesus constrained his disciples to get into a ship, and to go before him and to the other side, while he sent the multitudes away. And when he had sent the multitudes away, he went up into a mountain apart to pray. And when the evening was come, he was there alone. But the ship was now in the midst of the sea, tossed with waves, for the wind was contrary and in the fourth watch of the night jesus went unto them walking on the sea and when the disciples saw him walking on the sea they were troubled saying it is a spirit and they cried out for fear but straightway jesus spake unto them saying be of good cheer it is i be not afraid and peter answered him and said lord if it be thou, bid me come unto thee on the water. And he said, Come. And when Peter was come down out of the ship, he walked on the water to go to Jesus. But when he saw the wind boisterous, he was afraid and began to sink. He cried, saying, Lord, save me. And immediately Jesus stretched forth his hand and caught him and said unto him, O thou of little faith, wherefore didst thou, die? When they were come into the ship, the wind ceased. And they that were in the ship came and worshipped him, saying of a truth, Thou art the Son of God. Talk about needing counseling. It wasn't just the fear of drowning either, although that was definitely one major component. But, of course not recognizing Christ. And then afterwards, not only recognizing him in the flesh, but knowing him, or at least acknowledging and confessing him in the spirit as being the son of God. Thirdly, David consoles himself in the prospect of going to the tabernacle and the altar of God. Now, from Psalm 42 to Psalm 43, he takes a major leap as he moves from introspection, meaning speaking to himself, which is a form of that. If you see someone talking to himself, he is in introspection, by the way, and or self-counseling. But he moves from introspection to invocation or prayer. Judge me, O God. Plead my cause. Against an ungodly nation. Oh, deliver me from the deceitful and unjust man. Now, I would venture to say that he was king at this time of Israel, or, or possibly about to be king, on the verge of being king. And he is discerning the spiritual state of the land. As a prophet of God, he had that ability, and especially as he, he, he grew in stature and in wisdom. as a a man and so if that was Israel then it didn't paint a very pretty picture of where it was at spiritually and I'm going to speak to that uh, a bit more shortly but it also could be the ungodly around him that he had intercourse with as far as having to deal with from time to time although he had a very say, more solid philosophy than, than those that came after him with regard to dealing with foreign countries that worship other gods and, and following God's uh, lead insofar as uh, not uh, 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 getting their advice and getting their help, which always leads into trouble. When you get help from outside your country, and especially a country that is not in favor of your God, you will always end up in trouble. So don't... That's a bit of advice. Don't get spiritual counsel from people who don't have the spirit of God. And he goes on, For thou art the God of my strength. Why dost thou cast me off? Why go I mourning because of the oppression of the enemy? Oh, send out thy light and thy truth. Let them lead me. Let them bring me to thy holy hill and to thy tabernacles. Note that last phrase, and to thy tabernacles. In Psalm 42, he lamented in being away from the gathered saints in the house of God, in verse 4. But this time he is more specific. He zooms in on the tabernacle, although it's in the plural, and that could be because he's considering the, the outer tabernacle, or the, uh, the, uh, uh, what they call the, the holy place, and the inner tabernacle, or the holy of holies. Which is where the Ark of the Covenant is, which is representative of the presence of God amongst his people. But nevertheless, he laments being away, especially from the presence of God in that way, in that congregational and corporate way. And so he zooms in on that, which is the very center and heart of worship. Let them bring me unto thy holy hill, unto thy tabernacles. And this was not the first time for David to actually go to the tabernacle. Uh, He is actually the one responsible for returning the Ark of the Covenant back to its proper place, God's appointed place, which was in the Holy of Holies, the inner sanctuary. I'll read to you something from Jesus Walk's uh, teaching ministry. Under Saul, worship of the Lord had languished. Saul had disobeyed the Lord's direction through Samuel. The ark had been lost to a generation before and never returned to its place in the tabernacle it was taken by the Philistines. In his paranoia, Saul, first king of Israel, had slaughtered the priest who tended the tabernacle at Nau and no longer was able to seek the Lord because Abiathar, the remaining priest, had taken the ephod, which is a linen apron that was used only by the high priest, with him when he fled to David. The worship of Yahweh was so diminished that Saul is reduced to seeking guidance from a witch of Endor. Or uh, a, uh, uh, well, someone that dealt with uh, necromancy and, and the like. A spiritist medium. David longed to renew the nation in the worship of Yahweh. To do that, he wanted to bring the long-neglected ark into his new capital city, the city of David, which is Jerusalem, as a sign that the Lord, the true king over Israel, is once again in the midst of his people, unquote. This is perhaps... The very reason why, the main reason, maybe not the only one, but the main reason why David is described as the man after God's own heart, as recorded by Luke in Acts 13.22. And when he had removed him, as God had removed Saul, he raised up unto them David to be their king, to whom also he gave their testimony and said, I have found David, the son of Jesse, a man after mine own heart which shall fulfill all my will. He wasn't like Saul who who said one thing, who said, I am the king and I will do uh, that which is my duty, which I've been appointed, even by God. I'm going to do what the word of God says. And doesn't do it. And, and, And suffers the loss of the kingdom. He's not like those who are in leadership today who say and swear on the Bible, or maybe not on the Bible anymore, I don't know anymore, but who swear that they are going to uphold the law of the land and, and don't. David is not like that. And that is why he has God's commendation. David, a man after my own. Is that how you and I want to be remembered? I hope so. I hope so. David wanted the word of God to teach him. Oh, send out thy light and thy truth. Let them lead me. Let them lead me to thy holy hill and to thy tabernacles. He wanted the Holy Spirit to point him to the coming Messiah, the Christ, the anointed, the son of the living God. David once prophesied, if, if you don't think that he believed in the coming Savior, he prophesied once in Psalm 110, The Lord said unto my Lord, meaning Yahweh said unto my Lord Jesus, Sit thou at my right hand until I make thine enemies thy footstool. And this is fulfilled in the New Testament, is it not? And our Lord's reigning after he had done his... His work, his mission, his task given by his Father. And talk about a faithful, anointed, and appointed officer, in this case, Savior of his Father, our Lord Jesus Christ, of whom it is said that uh, he was obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. Wherefore, God hath highly exalted him, and hath given him a name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow of things in heaven and things in earth and things under the earth and that every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. The tabernacle that David loved, that David preserved, that David restored was a picture of Calvary. Read in Hebrews 9, 11 and 12. Hebrews 9, 11 and 12. Where we see how the sacrificial system of the Old Testament was all in total a picture of Calvary in Hebrews 9, 11, and 12. But Christ, being come a high priest of good things to come, by a greater and more perfect tabernacle, not made with hands, that is to say, not of this building, neither by the blood of goats and calves, his own blood. He entered in once into the holy place having obtained eternal redemption for us. Ultimately, that holy place. Well, first, that holy place is his body. That is a tabernacle in which the sacrifice of God would be enacted. That is essentially Calvary. And then heaven Which is, as described here, the holy place where there is eternal redemption for God's people. David tells us of his commitment to go to the closest place on earth where heaven is, where God is reconciled with sinners, where God meets with his people, where God cleanses his people from their sins and that is the cross look at Exodus 25 22. Exodus 25 22 lest you think that nothing significant happened in the Holy of Holies well this is what takes place or took place there and there meaning above the Ark of the Covenant, particularly above the mercy seat where the two cherubim stood face to face. I will meet with thee. I will commune with thee from above the mercy seat, from between the two cherubims that are upon the Ark of the Testimony of all things which I will give thee in commandment unto the children of Israel. That is where God chooses to meet with us. And there only, and there is where we are reconciled to God by the death of His Son and are justified by His resurrection from the dead. So hopefully now, at least in seed form, you have some appreciation of why David's hope is lifted up. Because his hope is in the Lord who made heaven and earth. His hope is in a God a merciful God, a loving God, a gracious God, who justifies sinners. And that is why he could say back in Psalm 43, for then will I go unto the altar of God, unto God my exceeding joy. Yea, upon the heart will I praise thee, O God, my God. But then why does he go back to self-counseling? If you you, uh, uh, notice in Verse 5 of Psalm 43. Why does he go back to his self-counseling? It's like someone who says, I'm healed, and he goes back to the, to the counselor, to the psychologist, when he's already healed, and he doesn't need to go back there. In this case, to being self-counseled. Why art thou cast down on my soul? Why art thou disquieted within me? Hope thou in God, for I shall yet praise him, who is the health of my countenance. Let me read you something that might help explain what's going on in David's heart and mind. And I'm reading to you from Martin Lloyd-Jones' book. It's a classic. It's wonderful. This is a man who was the doctor to the royal family once upon a time who left that because he said, I cannot cure, I can cure their bodies, but I can't heal their souls through the gospel. I I need to be able to get to that which is the most important of all, and that is the the very soul of people, and so he became a minister of the gospel. And this is what he wrote in introduction to this book. He said, with regard to this self-counseling episode of David, have you realized that most of your unhappiness in life is due to the fact that you are listening to yourself instead of talking to yourself? Huh, interesting, huh? Listen to yourself instead of talking to yourself. Take those thoughts that come to you the moment you wake up in the morning. You have not originated them, but they started. But they start talking to you. They bring back the problems of yesterday, etc. And that is why God says to let not the sun go down in your anger and resolve those issues between you and, and that, uh, that that dear one that you had a fight with. Don't go to bed with your backs turned to each other, if you're husband and wife and Etc., etc. Someone is talking. Who is talking to you? Yourself is talking to you. Now, this man's treatment was this instead of allowing this self to talk to him, he starts talking to him. In other words, he talks to self instead of letting self talk to him, as it were. Why art thou cast down, O my soul? He asks. His soul had been depressing him, crushing him. So he stands up and says, Self, listen for a moment. I will speak to you. Do you know what I mean? If you do not, you have but little experience. The main art in the matter of spiritual living is to know how to handle yourself. You have to take yourself in hand. You have to address yourself, preach to yourself, question yourself. You must say to your soul, Why art thou cast down? What's your problem, right? Right? It's like my asking uh, uh, the, the young people, uh, my my young, older young, my older grandkids, what's your problem <laughs> when they're moping or when they're uh, they've been self quarantined and they can't one can't make up her mind whether she wants to go to class or stay at home, and uh, and and depends upon the weather bureau to determine if she's going to go out and, and go to class. Okay, so that sort of thing. And I didn't tell you which of the two. There are two, two uh, uh, granddaughters. Why art thou cast down? What business have you to be disquieted? You must turn on yourself, abrade yourself, condemn yourself, exhort yourself, and say to yourself, hope thou in God. Instead of muttering in this depressed, unhappy way, then you must go on to remind yourself of God who God is and what God is and what God has done and what God has pledged himself to do then having done that and on this great note deny yourself or defy yourself and defy others and defy the devil and the whole world and say with this man I shall yet praise him for the help of his countenance is also the health of my countenance and my God. So hopefully that might help you and understand what's going on here. Instead of thinking that David was just some person mumbling to himself who was going through the deep throes of some problem that he couldn't resolve. And mind you, if he was king at the time. Can you imagine the weight that must be on his shoulders and especially to be a godly king? A godly, God-honoring, Christ-loving, God's people-loving king. In conclusion, God was King David's exceeding joy. And to God, my exceeding joy is God your exceeding joy and mine. Then will I go unto the altar of God, unto God my exceeding joy. Yea, upon the harp will I praise thee, O God, my God, shall we pray. O Heavenly Father, help us to benefit from this experience of David, and not just his experience, Lord, of, of having trials and tribulations. We all have them. And no matter what they are, no matter how big or how small they are, they are real. Whether perceived or real in the sense of uh, actually having a a, a basis for being problematic or one that is contrived in our hearts and minds, Lord, they are real. And as such, Lord, you need to help us to do this very thing, to talk to ourselves, not to allow ourselves to talk to us, as it were. Help us, O God, to this end by finally praying to you to speak to us by your Holy Spirit through your scriptures and that in order to point us to Jesus Christ in Jesus'